morning. It is Monday, May 3rd. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Steve Wolfong, Director of Recruiting for 24-7 Sports. Steve is actually in the car driving to Elite 11 outside of Indianapolis, but he just published his winners from the NFL draft from a recruiting perspective. And Steve, we had to get you on, uh, had to make it work with your busy schedule. Uh, you're always on the move, but we appreciate you joining us here from the car. And I, I got to ask, I mean, did you even have to think about Alabama being the biggest winner? Always Alabama. I mean, obviously LSU was the biggest winner last year, but Alabama wins every year come the NFL draft with the success that they've had under Nick Saban. I think it's now 106 players that have been drafted out of Alabama under Coach Saban's watch with a whopping nearly 37% of them going in the first round. So it's just the, the way they produce players there is unmatched. And obviously with that, they've had tremendous success on the field and that all goes hand in hand in recruiting blue chippers. So anytime Alabama's recruiting a kid, they may be third or fourth on the kid's list at this point in the process, but a call from Nick Saban, a point to the NFL draft, one visit to Tuscaloosa, which prospects are finally going to be able to go on the road in June. And Alabama is always in position to change the tide of a recruitment if they weren't already leading to begin with. Yeah, so they had 10 players drafted. Over half of them were selected in the first round, uh, as you wrote. That's incredible. Six first-round picks. They tied Miami's 2014 draft class for the most first-rounders, and they were pretty close to beating that that mark with Landon Dickerson. He was the fifth pick in the second round, and then Christian Barmore was the sixth. Steve, I think most people listening at this point understand that recruits aren't really or at least the elite recruits aren't really choosing schools because of like their major and uh, is the stadium fun and you know did they grow up rooting for it? These these kids want to play in the NFL and I think Alabama, as you mentioned, is just kind of undefeated in, in, in being able to play that trump card. But credit has to be given to Nick Saban in Alabama because they also do a good job of identifying the prospects that fit their culture that are going to develop into high draft picks. You take a, take a guy like Christian Barmore, who as a high school junior wasn't even playing high school football. He fancied himself a basketball player. But Nick Saban and his staff were able to, you know, in a year, watch a senior film, get to know the kid, get to know his high school coach and people around him and see that this is a young man that fits what we're doing in touch. Tuscaloosa, and then they bring the best out of him. I still remember talking to Christian Barmore's coach and him telling me that Christian got chills when Temple offered. And, and so called it the Mecca when Alabama offered, committed to the Tide, and the rest is history. So Ohio State, the only position, as you wrote, on their uh, not really represented in the draft was receiver, which is no concern for us. They're potentially going to have two first-rounders next year. They have the best receiving room in the country in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Everything else for Ohio State, just up and down across the board, 10 players picked really, really, really impressive. Ryan Day, when he took over, Steve had that transition class that ranked number 14. Were you at all concerned about, I would, I would imagine maybe yes, because he was replacing a historic recruiter in Urban Meyer, but Ryan Day has really silenced any questions about whether he can keep that, that recruiting ship going in Columbus. Yeah, it's not even a topic for me anymore. Obviously, I needed to see him do it before you say, oh, he's going to keep the ship sailing as smooth. He's doing it in his own way. He's got more of a chill personality uh, than Coach Meyer, but he's really done a good job of connecting with all of Ohio State's top targets, and he's the reason why they've been able to land so many blue chippers. He is in the middle of all their recruitments of, of their key guys, and when you have another quarterback go in the first round like Justin Fields, 
that puts you in the equation for the most important position on the field and the best recruits year in and year out. And, and, and with each cycle, you're going to have your two to three elite quarterbacks uh, on the board and Ohio State. Alabama and Oklahoma are always going to have a shot to sign those kids because of what they've done in the NFL draft at that position under those staffs. Nick Saban just had two first rounders at the position, which is the first in a row, which is, you know, the first school to do that since Oklahoma. And I'm not sure anybody else has done that in recent memory of having first round draft picks at quarterback two years in a row. And and then Ohio State's now had two first rounders under Ryan Day's watch and their depth chart is pretty stacked moving forward with Quinn Ewers coming in. You already look at the 2023 class with Malachi Nelson. Oh, excuse me, Clemson. I left Clemson out with Trevor Lawrence going number one. That's a hell of an omission. So those four schools, those four schools are the uh, ones that are always going to have a shot at the top quarterback in the country. And Malachi Nelson, he's looking at Clemson and Oklahoma. Arch Manning, you know, he's looking at uh, Alabama, certainly in the equation. LSU had just had Joe Burrow selected and Texas where Steve Sarkeesian was the OC and, and on staffs with a lot of these quarterbacks going number one. Yeah, I was going to mess around with you and ask if Texas could maybe be a winner of the draft. They didn't have a good draft, but just because Steve Sarkeesian's um, in Austin now. So, Steve, for Georgia. At least they had an offensive lineman drafted high. That was something we hadn't seen in quite some time. Yeah, uh, Sam Cosme joined Connor Williams as like the second lineman drafted since 2010. It's just crazy. Steve, would you accept any criticism of the Georgia Bulldogs player development program? They have as good of a class as anyone every single year. They only had one one first rounder this year. Of course, they were, I mean, they were a pick away with Tyson Campbell and, and then Aziz Ojolari dropped because of medicals. Is that a fair criticism at all? Well, I think that you look at Georgia, Notre Dame. I mean, they each had nine selected. The difference between Georgia, Notre Dame, and Alabama is that all Alabama's guys are going in the first round. Oh, yeah. You mentioned Notre Dame. They had a fantastic NFL draft and the offensive linemen, no surprise that they would have three guys drafted there. Steve, I I, I would imagine they could be in the mix for any top lineman they wanted to in the country. The criticism there, though, for Notre Dame would be getting more explosive on the perimeter. I would imagine an NFL draft where you can point to nine players being selected regardless of position helps, especially when you get a quarterback going in the fourth round in the end book. Well, I think the critique with Notre Dame, you're just trying to find one or two wins for them. They're in the hunt. They're one of the teams on the short list of programs you point to that says they have a chance to win the national championship. And yeah, they struggled with speed on the perimeter last year. But man, if you could have put Chase Claypool, Will Fuller, Miles Boykin, and some of those guys that they've had drafted under Brian Kelly on that football team, he's proven that he can have difference makers at wide out. I think if you're if you're nitpicking the Irish, it's finding one or two players a cycle, not letting them get away. That adds up to eight guys over the course of four years of recruiting, and you're not deficient in your receiver room the year the, the year you need them when you're on the cusp of winning a national championship, or you're not deficient in your in your quarterback room. And, and how about the job Tommy Reese did with Ian Book, a young coach, offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach at Notre Dame before that, really hired on no experience, uh, uh, worked as like a GA at Northwestern, and then poured the coffee for the uh, NFL team, and I'm exaggerating there, but he was an off-field guy. Comes to Notre Dame and you know his first pupil Ian Book goes from a high three-star recruit to 
the all-time winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history in a fourth rounder. I think that's pretty good for, for Tom Reese. And, and so, you know, we'll see what that does for him on the trail moving forward as Notre Dame as it tries to, to land a difference maker under center because it's hard to hoist that crystal ball uh, as of late without a high draft pick under center. Joe Burrow, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones. So you have, having a fourth rounder, that's awesome in life, but still might only win you 12, 12 games in, in, on Saturdays and, and Notre Dame wants to win 13 or 14 or whatever it takes to win it all. Maybe he'll get Tyler Buckner there. No need to really mention Northwestern had Pat Fitzgerald on the podcast last week, and and we were correct that they would have two first-round picks for the first time ever. Steve, can we get a little respect for the Kentucky Wildcats? Six draft picks, the most since 1979. You mentioned second time in three years, they have a linebacker go in the first round, Jamin Davis, to Washington, to, to your Washington football team. Mark Stoops and, and this Steve, this is on the on the heels of a really strong recruiting weekend for them two weeks ago where they landed several good players. I mean, I feel like we don't talk about them nearly enough. No, and they've had running backs drafted, playmakers like Lynn Bowden drafted. They've done well on defense. Man, if they could just figure out their quarterback room. You know, they've had injuries, they've had misses on the trail. You know, they've had a double-digit win season under Stoops. They've won some some games in the SEC. I think that they've recruited the offensive line and, and, and particularly the defensive side of the ball to be competitive year in and year out in the SEC. I mean, they're not going to win the league, but they're a team that can be playing for New Year's Bowls year in and year out. If they could just get someone more dependable under center, they could be real exciting under Coach Stoops because they've certainly been fun to watch anyway. Absolutely. All right, Steve, I'm going to let you choose the final school. You want to riff on Florida? You want to riff on Michigan, LSU, or Penn State? Who who deserves a little Steve Voltfong attention here? Well, I just think that all of them, you know, have reasons to be excited about when this uh, NCAA dead period lifts in June and you can finally have prospects on campus because they have a lot to sell. You know, Florida's getting guys back in the first round. They're eight players drafted, I think, with the most since 2017. So you kind of forget they haven't been as talented as their peers in the SEC and they're starting to starting to, to, to build it up there. You know, Michigan, you can, you can uh, shoot your shot at them for having a down year last year uh, and and not beating Ohio State under Jim Harbaugh, but they have been pretty good outside of last year and not, and I understand that program's got major expectations, but 18 players drafted in the last two years, people are going to say, why would you choose Michigan? That's why, man, they're getting you drafted. You know, and, and Jim Harbaugh has had double-digit win seasons and they have been close to knocking off the Buckeyes and, you know, they'll keep swinging and chopping wood there. Absolutely. That's, that's a staggering number. 18 that's that's pretty dang impressive. Steve Wolfong, we appreciate you joining us as you turn the page on the NFL draft and get ready to, to get back on the road and cover the Elite 11 in Indianapolis. Our producer is Lance Glenn. And my name is Trey Scott. Everyone have a great Monday. We'll talk to you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.